are listening to the Latter-day Ladypreneur Podcast. I'm Sarah Grace Allred, your host. Welcome to a sweet mix of interviews with business gurus, as well as solo episodes with me about the lessons, strategies, and inspiration that brought me from bumbling around in business to playing big in the fantastic arena of entrepreneurship. Look, the real magic comes when you and I get to talk business alongside the brilliant words of Esther, Nephi, and even Sherry Dew as we explore who we can become while we engage in this exciting journey as a woman of faith and an entrepreneur. Let's get started. And welcome back to the podcast. I'm sitting across from a dear friend of mine, a dear friend who I am crazy passionate about her business. Um, let me introduce you to the wonderful Misty Marsh. I'm so glad you're here. Hi, Misty. So am I. I am thrilled to be here with you, Sarah. Such Man, a privilege. This is such a cool experience because I would imagine that if people looked at you and I from the outside, they're like, I bet they could never be friends. Probably. <laughs> yeah. Say that. Yes. Okay. Because let's see if you can find out listeners why we would never be friends. So Misty runs the incredible (laughs) designedforgoodness.com website where she specializes in Latter-day Saint entrepreneurs. What? Something sounding (laughs) familiar here. Ah, And not only are they Latter-day Saint entrepreneurs, they're also women. And so I think you can immediately see why I had to have Misty on because we have reserved her for the right time to be here on the podcast. And I am blown away by so many elements of Misty. I have never seen someone who is so sincerely championing women at all stages in business than Misty Marsh. I have also never seen anyone that enjoys teaching tech, which makes me want to barf, tech to young (laughs) entrepreneurs more than Misty Marsh. And I have also never seen someone who has actually made tech and the beginning stages of business actually fun and invigorating. Like Misty, I wouldn't touch it with a 10 foot pole, which is why I'm so (laughs) glad that you're here. So welcome, welcome to Misty Marsh. Thank you, Sarah. I I think one thing that you stand out with your podcast is your introductions. They're always like off the charts, amazing. And they make your guests kind of squirm a little bit because you're (laughs) so kind. (laughs) Well, we only speak the truth here. Clearly, clearly, clearly. And it's always fascinating. I have a little pot of people that I dive into and I say, look, I'm interviewing so-and-so. And of course it was Misty Marsh coming up. And I say, what do you want to know from her? What do you want to know from her? And I actually thought like they have planned this entire interview because their questions were so, so good. And I think it's because what you do, it really sparks curiosity to people, right? Your mom, your wife, you're a Latter-day Saint, you're an entrepreneur, you are hyper-organized, you do incredible templates, you, you, I mean, it's, there's just so many elements to you that are really intriguing. And I think your bravery stems from something. And this is where the question is going to stem from that when people get started in entrepreneurship, and when I say people, I mean, female Latter-day Saint entrepreneurs, when we get started in business, it is full-blown overwhelm. Oh yeah. Right. So we sit here and little Mindy G walks in and she says, I want to sell hoodies. I have this dream of, of being the go-to girl for comfortable hoodies. 
And then if she were to come to me, I would say, awesome, go talk to Misty. Go talk to Misty <laughs> because the options in front of them are endless. Yes. Website, blogging, Pinterest, influencers, uh-huh. um, pricing cart, membership options, shipping, manufacturing. Oh my gosh, there's like so much. And my blood pressure struggles. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I've been there. Can't breathe. Like, can't give me my paper bag. Yes. Right? Are you feeling it? So, that is the question I'm going to pinpoint is where do these entrepreneurs start besides with you? I mean, they should start with you, but how, what, what are the barriers that they're facing and how do they get started? Quite honestly, I think, so if we're talking tech wise, they start with email, but, but even before that, I really think the number one mistake that we make as entrepreneurs is we think we know what our customers want. I think the very, very first place they need to start is by, is by learning about the people they want to serve. And I know we think like, like, this is what's true. Like why it's why it's a joke that you and I are serving the same people, but we can still be friends, right? It's because I am serving them in a different way. And even I'm serving different people, right? Like I help them get off the ground and get started and you help them go big and become a six figure business. Those are two very different things. And we're going to talk to those people in two very different ways. So spend time in Facebook groups, spend time on Quora, spend time Googling. And then you Google, like, let's say you wanted to do sweatshirts, whatever, you know, female sweatshirts for, you know, Christian women, right? Google that scroll all the way to the bottom and Google will show you what people are searching for around that topic. You're going to get their language. You're going to find out exactly what problems they have, how they describe their problems, the solutions they're looking for and how they describe those solutions. And only then can you really figure out, okay, what do I want to create for these people? And if you start creating before you do that, which I have done with a couple of businesses, you, you run it up against a wall and that only increases the overwhelm. The tech is overwhelming, right? But it's also overwhelming you don't even know how overwhelming it is to sell a product and have nobody buy it because you didn't create what they actually wanted. So that's where I would start. Um, like absolute step number one, I can go into a little bit more of like where I'd start spending money and tech and stuff like that, if you want me to, but before I started investing any money, I would figure out what my people want and how they describe it. Okay. So wrapping up what you just said, because I do want you to dive into the finances of it. I think it's important that we talk about, you cannot start a business with zero dollars. That money has to be spent in some arena. It just has to be right. And so looking, looking at what you just said, what I'm hearing is that you need to become a master at your craft. You need to be able to speak the language of sweatshirts. And, and beyond that, you need to, you need to, to have the language your customers use. So one example I like to use is your photographer, right? If you started talking to people about aperture, it's over there. Oh, man. And because I'm not a photographer, I mean, I know a tiny bit because my husband is a hobbyist, so I know what aperture is, but a lot of people would not know that. And I think sometimes in business, we are so good at our craft. We're so good at what we do. We can't remember what it was like to be a beginner. And so we really struggle to find the language to connect with the person we're trying to help. We may have the exact product they want, but if we don't describe it to them in the way that they can understand it, they're never going to know that we have the product they want. 
I love this so much. And I love how you gave specific examples of like scroll to the bottom of Google. Sometimes I'll look at Amazon reviews of certain products Mm -hmm. and use the language of what they say or a great way. So many ways to get into their head because you're right. There is nothing quite like giving your life and even possibly your life savings to a product for a few years to find that it actually is not a product that sells well or not a product that people want, right? Like we've all been there. We have all done the creation too far in advance and had those kinds of failed experiences. And boy, were they major learning experiences. So let's dive into what you brought up about the finances, because this is where you and I, we are different in this way because the people we work with are at different phases, right? In their business. And I think it's really important that we call that out. Um, with beginners specifically, how do you help them navigate what is worth spending money on versus what they should be scrappy with uh, from from the very, very beginning? How do they make that determination? Okay. I think that there are a few questions that you can ask yourself. Um, If I'm going to be scrappy with something, number one, do I enjoy learning about that topic? If I decide that I'm going to do this myself, is it, is it something that interests me? Maybe I don't want to do it forever, but does it at least interest me? Second, is it something that I should know how to do in my business? Even if I eventually hire it out, is it something that I should know? I believe everybody should be able to go and make changes on their own website because that is something that can it can get crazy expensive, right? Now, does that mean you have to become a web designer and, and learn code and all of that? No, but you should be able to make basic changes on your website. So ask yourself that type of question. Should I know at least the basics of this topic? If the answer is yes, then probably get scrappy and figure it out. At least the basics. Um, Third, is it going to save you time? I firmly believe that particularly as mompreneurs and particularly as Latter-day Saint mompreneurs, we have other priorities. We have kids and we have callings and we have other things that are truly important to us. And so we cannot, you can invest time in something, but you're never going to get more time back ever. It just doesn't work that way. But when you invest money in something wisely, you can get more money back. So if something is going to save me time, and I don't have to know how to do it, and I'm completely uninterested in it, then I am absolutely going to pay somebody else to do that. I so love those, those are kind questions. of my qualifiers there. I love that. And can you give some examples of actual pieces of a business that beginning entrepreneurs need and the choices that they can make to be scrappy versus I'm going to, I'm going to invest in a more expensive program or person, like give us kind of a breakdown of where you see your entrepreneurs get stuck as far as paid or scrappy. Okay. I think the very first thing you need to have is a way for people to sign up for your email list. Everybody loves social media. We all love to be on Instagram, but the fact of it is you can create a huge following on Instagram and they could be taken away from you at any time because you aren't in control of that following Instagram is they own them. I mean, not really, Amen. we don't own other people, but they own their presence there. And so you have to be able to send people somewhere where you can capture their email address. So you have a way to contact them in the future. If Instagram shuts down, if somehow your account isn't getting shown to people, even if you are on Instagram and nothing's going wrong, there is a very small percentage of your people who are seeing you there. Email that changes you can get 50 and 60% open rates if you're doing email right. 
and get the majority of your people seeing your stuff. So I think the very first place you need to invest in is with a quality email service provider. Um, I recommend you start with ConvertKit. You can start with MailerLite, but you're going to grow out of it pretty quick. I recommend starting with someone like ConvertKit where there can be some fairly heavy automations you can, um, you can use later on in your business as you grow, but you don't have to change and, and go through that frustrating. So that's the very first place I would say invest some money in is in a good email service provider. I love this. And people listening, can you tell that this is why I love Missy. Missy's mode of operation is to help you save time and make more money. Like Yep. That's your like <laughs> mode of operating. And I know we kind of sit there and we're like, yeah, that seems like a pipe dream. It's not a pipe dream. And it's also not trial and error. It is like science, right? Yeah. There are ways yeah. to save money or to, or, or excuse me, there are ways to save time and earn back, not only the money, but earn back the time through yeah. freedom. And so I always call it the hustle in my business. Like this is a hustle mode, like yeah. get this part done because it will serve you in the long run. And this isn't permanent, you know? So I love that kind of mode of operation. And I think that's why our audiences are such rock stars because they full blown recognize they cannot do the nine to five. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. Like it's not an option. We have to do things different differently. And I love that you um, are a champion of that. Okay. So another question. Okay. This is what I desperately want to bring to the table because this is something I don't feel super brave about doing and people may disagree, but you, this is not your first business. Okay. And in fact, I remember when design for goodness launched, like I remember the actual starting line when this went live or global, whatever we want to call it. Yeah. Scary to start over. Yeah. And how about a year ago. Okay. How do you navigate that? Like, how did you get up the guts to be like, okay, I'm going to start from zero on my email list. I'm going to start from zero on Instagram. Like this sounds so fun. (laughs) Like, how did that start for you? Okay. Well, back up. I did own a business. I've owned a couple, but the only one that really did well was called simple family preparedness, where I taught people about emergency preparedness. And I ran that business for many years, learned lots of stuff, made lots of mistakes. um, And eventually was able to sell it for six figures. Um, I sold it because I actually prayed to sell it, Sarah, many times because it was so hard as a mompreneur, as a Latter-day Saint mompreneur, finding that balance is so difficult. It is a real, real struggle we have. Um, and I wanted to let it go. And I was told no, 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 um, by our heavenly father. And eventually once it was running fairly well, and I didn't feel so burnt out and our dog is joining us. (laughs) Sorry, Dougie in the back decided to join us. Um, sorry. Do you want me to? No, you're fine. You're good. Remove him. Okay. Um, eventually once it was running really, really well, and I felt we were making a good amount of money and the time I was investing was fairly balanced and my kids were involved in it and it was all good. Then I was laying in bed one night and I was told, Misty, it's time to sell your business. And I was like, what? (laughs) I don't really now. Um, that was in late November of 2017. And then we went to Disneyland that Christmas and January of 2018, I reached out and it was sold and gone by the beginning of March. Oh my word. So it was quick. Um, 
And, and I got to ask you when yeah. you said that initially you had wanted to walk away from it and the answer was no. And then you're laying in bed months later, you had kind of let go of the idea of letting yeah. it go. Right. Yeah. So uh-huh. how funny that is so yeah. funny to me. I know. I, I do think it's kind of God works in mysterious ways, but I did. I pondered on that exact question over the next many months. I thought I was done. I kind of kept my foot in the door. I became a virtual assistant for somebody else and helped design her web pages and things. Um, but I was only working five hours a week. Hmm. Um, and I just didn't know really where my future was. I enjoyed the time of being just, you know, 100% mom. And that was it. Um, but that summer I would walk every single morning and just kind of have conversations with God. And I learned from him that the reason he wouldn't let me sell it is because he needed me to learn what that process was like. He needed me to gain empathy and skills that other women needed. And there's a quote from uh, President Kimball and President Nelson has recently requoted him. And I know that you know this quote, but he talks about how the women of the world will be drawn to the church as the women of the church are seen as distinct and different in happy ways. And that word seen wouldn't leave me alone. I felt like God wants me to help other women be seen. And it doesn't matter what they're selling. It doesn't matter what they're doing. It's, it's, we can, we can sell anything online and still act as Christ would act, be kind and generous and patient and loving. That's how we're seen as distinct and different. It's not by teaching people how to read the scriptures, although we could choose that, but we could also choose sweatshirts. And I felt that calling. And that's why I was able to start over. That's why it didn't matter. Because even if I only help 20 people, like I feel like God wants me to help these women who want to be seen, who are feeling called to be online. I want to make that process a lot easier for them than it was for me. I love how you've extracted that one word from that quote. Cause we've, I I've shared that quote dozens of times. Right. And that it's that we want to be seen. And I, I think that is such an appropriate word as we work with many of these women, you will find that they have struggled with feeling hidden Yeah, for a long time. I see many, many of my clients have struggled with that. And that's what makes becoming seen a little bit uncomfortable is that they feel like they've had patterns of being hidden or pushed aside or who knows what those feelings are and whether they're deep or, or not. Um, But I love that that quote kind of blows it out of the water to say, you will be seen. I love that. I love that. And following along with that, um, one of the things that is fascinating about you that I talked about in the intro is your ability to champion women. Um, you are specifically championing women in the beginning space mm-hmm. um, of their, of their businesses through teaching them so many wonderful things. Um, one of the things that is tough as an entrepreneur is comparison. And I would even dare say the ugly J word of jealousy yeah. that rears its ugly head in business uh, because business is a largely competitive field. Let's just yeah. put it out there. How have you navigated that within your own experience as an entrepreneur? And what do you, how, how can we be better women to each other in the business sphere? Okay. So before I answer that, I just want to, I want to just add something to the idea of comparison and what it does to us. Okay. I, one thing I teach is that in the very beginning, you need to figure out what your quote unquote superpower is. I believe that's a combination of your passions, your hard skills, and your soft skills. And when you know that, then you know what your contribution is, you know, how you are to be seen. 
But when we are comparing ourselves to each other, when we wish we had somebody else's passions or somebody else's soft skills or somebody else's hard skills, we are no longer focused on becoming who God wants us to be. We're focused on becoming someone else, someone, another woman, another person. And it actually is going to make it far more difficult for us to be seen online because you're seen online when you're different, when you stand out, when you help a very specific group of people, when you help them in a very specific way, that's what actually helps you stand out and what helps you be successful. So comparison, it prevents your success. Even if you never talk to the woman you're comparing yourself to, it really does prevent your success. So I know this. Wow. And I, I will have to tell you, Sarah, that the very first time I learned about you, actually, that's not true. Your sister had told me about uh, women with fire back when I was just doing web design and I hadn't really launched design for goodness and all of that. Um, and I loved women with fire. But the first time I realized that you had pulled away from that and you were doing this whole, I'm going to help Latter-day Saint business women thing. Oh, great. Was the ugly J word. I was jealous. I was scared. Mm. I was intimidated. I didn't know anything about you, but I looked at you and thought she's better than I am. I should just step out of this space. I should find a different way. But because I know what I know, and I've learned what I've learned about comparison, I knew that that wasn't coming from Heavenly Father. And I knew I had to find a way to push past that. And so what I did and what I recommend to my people, because they'll ask me this question, is I say, you find a way to collaborate with them. You reach out to them and you figure out how you are different. Because Sarah's superpower is different than mine. It is. We're helping the same people but in different ways. And if I had never reached out to you, Sarah, if I had never gotten to know you, if we had never had conversations on Boxer, I wouldn't know how you can help me help the people I'm trying to help. Right. I was trying to do it all. I'm like, I'm going to help them from point A to point Z. And now I know when I can pass them off to you and how I can, you can better help them reach, you know, the six figure mark than I can. I know what your superpowers are and we can now better help our combined audience because of that. So I think the solution is collaborating and being humble and willing to admit where somebody else can better serve than you can. And that can bring great power. And I believe it's what God wants, right? The body of Christ, you know, I, I might be the hand and you're the foot. And if I spend my whole life wishing I'm the foot, then the hand's point. missing. Oh, so this, I mean, this just displays to me why we had to reserve you for this podcast to grow so that more people could hear this. Um, I think it is really refreshing to have a successful Latter-day Saint entrepreneur stand at a microphone and say, I felt jealous. <laughs> I think that that is I really did. powerful. And I have never forgotten when I heard Elder Holland talk about having depression. And I mean, there, there are different moments in which we expose weakness that actually benefit the whole in such huge ways. And this is a moment for me. This is a moment in which I can say, this is just part of being human. It was that so real, Sarah. I was on the treadmill trying to work out for the morning, trying to walk, and I could not stop my thoughts. And it wasn't even just that I was jealous. It's that I was starting to dislike you without even knowing you. Right. I was like, right. Oh, I bet you she's just not. Oh, and oh, she's blah, blah, blah. And I was just, you know, like I, and that is, it's real and it happens to all of us, but we have to push through it for the benefit of all of us. 
I love this. And I'm going to add my little witness here to what, what you're saying here, Misty, when uh, often we are taught. And when we say those people, I don't know who we're talking about, but (laughs) the recommendation (laughs) is often when you feel comparison that you should pare down like unfollow that person and unfollow the people they follow and like clean up your feed that way because we don't want to fall victim to comparison. And, and I love your approach. It feels very, very refreshing that what if instead of, um, unfollowing, what if we actually made an attempt at collaboration and made an attempt because who knows what the other person is going to respond as, you never know that, but, but discover it for yourself. Like or at the very least getting to know them, right? People, we're all human. And when we get to know people, it's really hard to hate them. It's really hard to be jealous of them when you actually get to know them. Oh, I love that. And, and I will say, even though I love that my superpower is to bring them to six figures, I could not do the work I do without you. And, and we've had many conversations on Boxer. I mean, we can count them more than the fingers on our hands where it's like, I've got this person. She's not at the right stage for me to help her. Have you got availability here? And then Missy responds a week later and, and you'll say, hey, I've got this person and I think she's ready for you. Can we get her on a coaching call with you? I mean, that's how it's working. And, and thank you for calling out that comparison actually stalls you. Yeah. Okay. Good right? If your mode of operation is to help us save time and to make more money, comparison is a time waster. Absolutely. And probably in the long run, also a money waster because of that collaboration that's not happening. So um, I I love that. And I, I also love that you focus so intensely on supporting those who are striving to be seen. And I know exactly, you know, the people I'm talking about that those who have felt the spark, they have made a step towards creating a business or a movement or a shop, Mm -hmm. and they've got 17 followers on Instagram. Tell me about where your heart lies for the entrepreneurs in that space. Like, I really feel that so deeply because I was that person for years it is so exhausting to put your heart and soul into something and, and to not it's also scary, right? To, you don't know, you really don't know what the next right step is unless you have a guide, unless you have someone to help you. And so you, you make that attempt and you can learn. Absolutely. You can learn from that failure and do better the next time. But so many times that's not what happens. So many times these women, they take a step forward and they make this attempt and it doesn't go as they had hoped. And so they think it's their fault but it's not their fault. It's just the fact that, that they don't know what the right step is. They don't. And I want to be that person to say, here's your next step. Here's your next step. Here's where you should focus. And in a collaborative way, right? I don't always know their market, but I, I want to be that person for them somewhere where they can just say, okay, I don't know what this next step is. And I am so scared to take any step because I don't know what the right one is. And I'm afraid of that failure. Um, one thing that I have learned though, is even, even with starting this second business, we learn as we take steps forward and with a guide, we learn faster, but I have had to switch things and undo things and change things and, and make things better for my market. Like you will never make every step perfectly. You simply won't, but it can feel so, so scary, so scary. And I just, 
my heart, like I, I can't sleep at night thinking about these women to be completely honest and how I can better help them because I know what that feels like. I know that fear and overwhelm. It's almost like an adult version of when you were like in grade school and you had a birthday party and no one showed. Yeah. It's like the adult version of middle school, yeah. right? It's, it's like, so I'm, is. I'm awkward. My graphics are bad. I'm not a hundred percent of my messaging. Uh, I'm having technical problems every single day of my life as a business person. Like it is this really hard phase it's and lonely. it is lonely. It is lonely. Well, it's not anymore because of you. Um, but, but in that space of loneliness and mistakes and trial and error and nobody likes me and, oh my gosh, my family's seen me try and grow this business with 17 followers on Instagram. And like, <laughs> there's so many emotions that show up in my brain when I think about that, that, that moment of business and where my heart aches is that it is such a hard part of the business that so many stop. Yes. Yes. And think about the influence and impact and life-changing things that are stopping because we are not supporting where we once were, right? I mean, can you imagine what we would be like as mothers if we only wanted to hang out with people who had learned what we had learned and it, like we would abandon our children. That's what we would do. That's what we would do. And so give us some action here of how we can tactically help people at the beginning of their businesses. Are you asking how you and I can, are you asking how we can as businesswomen in general help each let's, other? Let's start specifically of how you and I can, and then let's talk more general. Let's do both. Okay. I think one of the most important things that you and I can do is to listen and to make it less lonely. I felt like I did not take off in my business until I frowned. I frowned until I frowned a friend until I found, <laughs> excuse me, a business friend who was like me. She was a Latter-day Saint mompreneur. She cared about being a mom. She was a little bit more successful than me when I found her and it gave me a light. I thought, this can happen. So I think even if we aren't speaking to people all the time and interacting with them one-on-one, -on -one, I think just showing that it is possible is life-changing. If I had had somebody 10, 12 years ago, who was where I am today or where you are today saying, this is possible. Even if I never, ever got coached by them or never really got to know them, that hope would have helped keep me going. So I think we, we, I don't want to say be loud. I don't want to be prideful. I don't want to brag, but I think we make it known that it is possible that they can do this. And we, we tell them that over and over and over again on every platform we can get our hands on. I love that. Okay. I'm making a commitment to be more aware of that, of, of, showcasing is the wrong word. Bragging is the wrong yes. word, but just displaying the life and the systems and the, the experience that is possible with an entrepreneurship. Okay. I'm making a commitment to you right now. I'm going to do better at that. We can do that even by highlighting each other, right? Like not just you and me, but I can find other Latter-day Saint women and you do this. You do this on your podcast here. It's why you interview um, successful Latter-day Saint businesswomen. That's exactly what you're doing. You're showing them this is possible. I haven't you just felt like there's a there's a lack of examples out there to model yes. after? I yes. believe in the That's power. Why it's so easy to give up. Yes. It's like I've never seen it done before. 
it's like the six minute mile. Like it's not possible, right? Until it's possible. And that's, I love that both of our platforms try and highlight that. Love that. So what actionable things can the everyday entrepreneur, Latter-day Saint person do? Because you specifically are trying to teach us how to cheer on specifically Latter-day Saints mm-hmm. um, in the business world. Is there a reason behind that? And what can we do to support them? So what can Latter-day Saint businesswomen do to support each other? Is that what you're asking? Yeah. Um, I think offering to collaborate with someone who's a little bit behind you, I think that is something we can do that may not be always be the best business move, but is an important move as somebody who is a follower of Christ. And I don't think you're stupid about it. I don't think that you, you know, like, you know, tank your business by any means, but find somebody who's, you know, just a little bit smaller and could use a hand up. And you reach out to them and you say, Hey, I'd like to collaborate with you. It needs to be someone that, you know, it works well with your business and all of that, but, but we can do that for each other. Um, I think sharing about each other, using our platforms to, you know, people talk about how, you know, we should purchase at, um, you know, uh, business, local businesses, right. Cause it supports them and that helps them. Why don't we you know, try to encourage our friends and family to purchase from or follow um, other Latter-day Saint women. And we can, you know, a rising tide lifts all boats. And that, I mean, it's going to pay us back in the end. That's not the reason we should do it. It will. But I think as we, we can really support each other in very specific ways by saying, Hey, and you do this, you do this all the time. You know, Hey, I bought this baby blanket hair. Hey, I bought this, you know, I'm, I'm using this program. This is helpful for me. This has helped my family and just telling people about it. We can just tell people about the other Latter-day Saint women that are doing good things. Oh, I love this. And it's just so actionable. It's like, just get it in your brain that this is just part of who you are is that you point out sincerely things that mean a lot to you. Like that you, that you share it, that you don't have that moment of pause of like, it's not going to fit my feed or it's, it's going to feel funny or like, just try it, just get it out there. And, and the rewards are monumental, um, within your soul and within their business and within our lives. So I love, I love so much that approach. So, um, I'm just grateful for you. I am so grateful for you. I, I'm grateful, especially that you could show up here and be a champion and also be hugely honest to just say, look, the same person who I really believe to be one of the greatest champions of Latter-day Saint entrepreneurs is also the same person that a year ago um, was lurking in jealousy, right? Like Mm -hmm. that can be the same person. That to me is hopeful. That to me is a victory and a story of hope. So any last parting words, I'm going to tell them where they can go to find more of you. And then I'm going to let you close us out, give them that little rah-rah that all of us need to get started (laughs) because you need more of Misty in your life. I want you to head over to designedforgoodness.com slash makeover. This is an incredible site. I'm not kidding. This is not like a bait and switch right here. If you go to that site, designedforgoodness.com slash makeover, it'll be in the show notes. She is going to show you how she completely makes over a website in one hour, specifically to have that website make more money. Crazy, crazy skills. She's got legit skills like Napoleon Dynamite would say. And so (laughs) hop on over to designedforgoodness.com slash makeover. It's in the show notes. We're close with you, Misty. All right. Um, you brought up Napoleon Dynamite, so I just have to say something funny. 
Okay. Before I actually close <laughs> with my rah-rah, my daughter called me from school. If you're a Napoleon Dynamite fan, you'll get this. She called me from school, left me a message. And she actually said, mom, my lips hurt real bad. Can you bring me some chapstick? <laughs> I, I want to meet your kid. <laughs> so, okay. All right. On to the rah-rah. So I want you to know if you are just starting out in business, especially especially if you feel called to be there, that God wants you here. I want you to know that it is possible that he's got your back and that there are other Latter-day Saint women who will support and help you. I want to be one of them. I sincerely want to be one of them. I believe that as we support and help one another, we are going to see incredible miracles happen in the next year, five, 10 years. The world is going to change because of the righteous Christian, humble, loving women who get online and treat other people as Jesus Christ would treat them. I know that is going to happen and I don't want you to miss out on it. I want you to be a part of it. If you feel called to be here, it absolutely can happen for you. Thank you, Misty. Latter-day Ladypreneur is brought to you by Sarah Grace Live, audio work done by Rachel Johnston. Huge thanks to the Sarah Grace Live team for pursuing our dream of Esther 414. Perhaps you were born for such a time as this. Playing big in business is an incredible road to you becoming who God created you to be. Find coaching, classes, community, and my key strategies to playing big in the show notes and at sarahgracelive.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.